0: Welcome back, everybody. at CFP Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by the owner and writer, of CFB Winning Edge, uh, you, uh, Nicholas Ian Allen. You can follow him on the Twitter at CFP Winning Edge. Uh, and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish T-R-I-C-H-E on the Twitter machine. Uh, big week last week, gentlemen. Uh, Georgia, thumped Tennessee, Alabama lost. Notre Dame blew out. Clemson, Ohio State. Did not look good. I know there was a lot of weather and wind in that game and all that kind of stuff. Uh, somehow Texas didn't blow a lead. You know, uh, it was a very weird Saturday. And, man, it looks like maybe no Bama, no Clemson in the playoff this year, which, is that a first time neither one of those teams would get in if, if that were to happen? Yes. Uh,
1: my memory's not be. that long. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, I know that the... Be. Uh, I did see someone just before we started recording. The ranking show has just gone off the air. I think they're actually still interviewing Sunny Dykes, but yeah, um, it was the first time that neither Clemson or Alabama have been outside the top six. I did see that scroll across. Ah. So they're what nine and ten, I think. So yeah, it's not not looking good at that still Clemson looking... game specifically. I mean, I don't think I've had a a, a worse read. On a game like the numbers were all on Clemson and our projections, I felt pretty confident in it. But yeah, you know this this is going to be one. Well, you weren't on Notre
0: Dame, who lost Marshall and barely beat Cal at home, and Stanford. (laughs) You weren't on them. I mean, we just did not expect the patheticness uh, that we saw from the Clemson offense Uh, this season. I mean, not I shouldn't say we because Xavier Trish (laughs) firmly had Clemson in fraud watch. So um absolutely nailed that one of course uh but um any uh any reaction any other reactions from uh the past weekend nick what do you got for us uh well so one thing i i do think is kind of interesting uh
1: you know the the georgia tennessee game ended up being 27 13 which doesn't look that impressive i mean beating tennessee was what number one in the the playoff rankings right so anytime you knock off number one even at home uh it's a big deal but if you just look at that score like in a few weeks and even today you look back at it and you're like okay yeah you know they beat them but it's not like they completely dominated them but the first half i mean georgia what georgia did to tennessee in that first half statistically uh was incredibly incredibly impressive and the final score doesn't exactly show you know it's one of those uh not quite as close as the you know score may look uh that was one of those games really really impressive performance by georgia um uh, we saw some you know quarterback struggles and hooker did not look like the heisman favorite and i don't believe he is anymore um i know he and stroud were kind of neck and neck stroud didn't look like my favorite either. But right, yeah. um, you know, both of those guys struggled. Bryce Young ended up with a decent stat line, but was was <laughs> not on the top of his game, uh, you know, had some um I don't know, just just didn't wasn't in rhythm, you know, not, not what we are used all, to yeah. seeing. Um so And that's kind of an interesting, them, you know. Oh um... absolutely, yeah. And and, and you know, I, I guess that was just my my biggest takeaway was we had uh, some surprising results, some close calls, um, some Heisman, you know, contending slash favorite quarterbacks uh, really kind of underperform, And it all kind of yeah. happened at
0: once was, um, I don't know, it was interesting. Xavier, so, I mean, what, what were your thoughts here? Because there was a lot of, you know, uh, well, what is the solid verbal call it? A sleepy Saturday. That's kind of what it felt like, you know, Yeah. Uh, until Tennessee, Georgia, that jumped off pretty well. Uh, but what what did, what was your big takeaway from uh, that last weekend? <clears throat> that this might be the most open Heisman race
2: in a long time.
0: It really, I is. just
2: I just don't have a guy <laughs> that is far and away the listen, and, and this is why it's so weird, right? If Jaden Daniels goes on a run here and wins the SEC title, who's to say he doesn't win the Heisman?
0: Yeah, I'm just uh, you know, like,
1: I, I mean, I'm just, I think that point, so, I mean, Stetson Bennett's probably. If, I mean, if, if they too? keep winning out. But right. yeah, I mean, if LSU knocked you off know. Georgia, I guess. I don't right. know. I mean, Crazier saying, things awesome. happen. I right. didn't have a great immediate reaction to that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, look, uh, just looking at odds right now, guys, it would be CJ Stroud at plus 140. Hendon Hooker still second at plus 290. Then Blake Corum, Caleb Williams is in the mix. Stetson Bennett is plus 1,000. Bo Nix got a little run a couple weeks ago at plus 1,200. Drake may is putting up great stats at plus 14 and Jaden Daniels at plus 18. I don't know. I think out of that group, my bet might be on Drake may right now, just because maybe nobody wins it based on, you know, uh, their team effort, uh, because the guys with the big stats, uh, are, you know, Bryce young in particular is down there. Um, we don't know. We don't expect Jaden Daniels to win in LSU to, to win out. I don't think, but, um, it's on the table, I guess. It would be extremely impressive. I, maybe Drake may just because his numbers are going to be so much better than everybody else's in terms of like his QBR as well. So, did you um, say Stetson was plus a thousand? Plus one thousand, right? I need mm-hmm. I need to put
1: a bet on that now.
2: Well, that's uh, come down apparently. I mean, I would I... Said
1: someone say it was six plus sixteen hundred <laughs> this morning. And Th- so listen, now it's like
2: getting getting into that early. I, I need yeah <laughs> or, because to. to they might be the only undefeated team in the country by the end of the year. Or outside of either the winner of Ohio State, Michigan. So there might be two only undefeated at that point.
1: I think at that my- point,
2: I think it's and if you actually look at his total numbers, they match everybody but I think May. He's got the same, he's got around the same total yards as Young. He's got around the same total yards as Stroud. He's got maybe two or three more interceptions than Hooker. Like his numbers wise, he he's he's sitting right there.
1: Um, and he might so, get the career achievement, award. If there's not somebody that you know just blows out, the, you know, if May puts up, you know, continues Astronomical to, to put numbers. up huge yeah. numbers, yeah. and North yeah. Carolina continues to win, they haven't gotten a whole lot of respect, uh, you know, as far as polls and, and things like that. But if they go what 11 and one and, and win the ACC, they'll end up with a pretty high ranking, and and he might have a, a shot. But
0: it just seems looking- like he's going to have to do something pretty incredible statistics, you know, statistically looking uh, at the schedule, Nick, I think that the Ohio state Michigan game might decide who wins the Heisman between Blake Corham and CJ Stroud. It might. I mean, Blake Uh, Corham goes out there and runs for two seventy, and they beat beat Ohio state and they get into the playoff. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, they're in right now, but I mean, yeah. we assume whoever doesn't win that game doesn't get in. I'm not. Uh, we, we can have that conversation for a later date, but I'm not sure. I mean, maybe not. One. Maybe you know, I'm wrong, I think, but I think but the, I think I, yeah, I think the person who
2: the the only person at this point there's only two teams that ruined the opportunity for uh both uh, for two Big Ten teams, and one of them is named Oregon. The other one
0: might be named. If, let me ask you Go this. Ahead. If, um, if they both have one loss, who do you put in? Do you put in Tennessee or Michigan? Michigan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Michigan's mm-hmm. got the more.
2: I don't. That's actually a good question. The problem with the problem with it, the, the great thing for Tennessee is that even though Bama lost, 10, LSU won. So that 49 to what? 3, 49, to, you know, drubbing that they have of possibly the SEC West, you know, participant is huge right now. Right. Um, Michigan beat the doors off of it would be it would be how they lose to Ohio State you know Nick yeah. kind of hit on the head Tennessee that game Tennessee got blessed by the rain and i mean that in the in the best way possible the, you could clearly tell that after they start after the rain started that Kirby Smart decided to hunker down the mm-hmm. offense and just try to get you know make sure everybody's Threw healthy it. and get to yeah. next week yeah you know, it, it, they had all intentions to blow them out the water, to put them into an Oregon-type situation where you're like, God, they got beat by 40 or they got beat by 30. They That's what they were aiming for. Um, but as you could tell, like, yeah, he hunkered down the offense and just ran the football um, at that point in the game as well. So I, I think that Tennessee – man, that Tennessee's resume is extremely good. Don't get me wrong. Um, but at the same time, I think – Michigan being undefeated that long, and if they only lose to Ohio State by like a game-winning field goal, it's going to be extremely difficult to say no to them, too. Because they have honestly the more impressive mm-hmm. wins out of them and Ohio State. You know they beat the doors off of Penn State. Ohio State struggled a little bit. Uh, Michigan hasn't struggled in what five weeks, and their last struggle game was against Maryland. So, you know where you know Ohio State had to play in a in a, in a wind tunnel this weekend and looked really really
0: poor for three and a half quarters. So, yeah. I mean, and it's Mich- all up Michigan in the air right now. Struggled for
1: the first half, but then still ended up winning fifty-two to seventeen. So. Exactly,
0: <laughs> right? I mean, wouldn't it, this it be? Against... Wouldn't this be right. an interesting year for a twelve-team playoff? This, I mean, this is the
2: perfect year. This is the perfect year right. for a twelve-team playoff.
0: Like, because there's not those just two teams that are so no. much better than everybody else,
2: right? And and, and nobody can tell me right now <laughs> that there's not a team. Really, I mean, you could say Georgia, you could say Ohio State, so you could say Michigan. fine. I don't think there's a single team in college football this year that is by far, in a way, the just overwhelmingly best team. And I'm a Georgia fan, and that's coming from me. I don't think that there is this one team that's by far and away the best team in football. I think there are a bunch of really good teams, and if they have the right Saturday, they could win.
1: Georgia's uh, still third in our power rankings see I mean you know
2: they're still behind
1: Alabama uh, so <laughs> that's, it's, nasty, it's, that's, nasty, that's nasty work rankings front of are not most deserving I think I'm fairly uh, fairly clear in my past I'm, I'm on the most <laughs> deserving side of the playoff conversation so I do think you know right now Alabama is not but Neutral field, yeah, we'd have Alabama as a slight favorite. But Scott, so. what's the
2: top twelve right now? I know I think you have it
0: in front of you, correct? Uh, I don't actually. Oh, uh, okay. I, I was just uh, Yeah. It um Okay, I got you. It, but, but but that's so, not but that's not how it would work anyway, right? It, they don't just take the top twelve from the playoff committee, right? Well, I because I think it would be different. I think it would be uh the four big conference champions would all, wow, give, uh, all the power uh,
1: five plus the there is a uh a non Power Five automatic
2: qualifier. So Tulane okay. would be as of right now. Tulane would right. be um and then I mean, then I would assume the guys in the top eleven right now, all of them would win their conference. Maybe outside of Clemson. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, yeah. All, all I'm, you know, uh, yeah. the the top twelve is interesting, uh, and I think that's probably how it should work. And I bet you have you, to add a
1: Big Twelve team.
0: So yeah, a- after after a couple of. Um uh, after a couple of those, oh, sorry, you know, no, TCU is four. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not, not, not after this right week, now. but you know, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, um, it, it's it's all interesting. It would I just feel like this this is the perfect year, like Xavier said to have that discussion of a 12 team, even though we're not getting it for another couple of years. Uh, I just think it would be, this is the perfect year. And let's start voting for Heisman's after that too. Why not? Please. And I mean, thank you. You know, um, um, that's a lot. That's cause that's going to be a decent amount of games and it, it should matter uh, uh if your team is in there or not. So. Oh,
2: lastly, before we continue fraud watch is almost perfect. We've got one team remaining that has not been beaten. That is a, uh, has been on fraud watch all year that might change this week as you said TCU is the remaining team that has mm-hmm. been on fraud watch s- since its inception that has not lost a game yet so far <laughs> we're all like we're right there the, uh, we can we're, we're walking down the, the jail hallway they can hear the the keys dangling like we're, we're right there we're <laughs> so close we're so uh, close.
0: well i mean the best case scenario is probably be for would probably be for texas to come back win that game uh, because they have loved blowing leads as of recent. So it's like yeah. favorite thing to do. So the TCU is um, also a slow
2: starter. But yeah, we'll get into it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> any um, h- how was the record this week, uh, Nick? And uh, anything else, any other injuries or any other takeaways uh, from week 10?
1: Uh, so against the spread, uh, you know, pretty ho-hum right at 500 uh, in our official model. Uh, on totals, after a couple of down weeks, back above fifty-three uh, percent. Hopefully, that'll continue. Win totals, we've, we've taken a taken a bit of a dip. I mean, we were what thirty-three and two this time last week. Uh, we're now all the way down to forty-two and nine. So eighty-two point seven percent still, you know, holding strong. Don't expect it to stay anywhere close to that. But um, if we you know, are close to 50% from here on out, which, uh, seems reasonable. We're, we're going to have a, a pretty nice looking, uh, number on the win totals, uh, here in a few weeks. So excited to see how that finishes up, uh, and, price, um, a lot, you know, as uh, sort of a, a broken record, a lot of quarterbacks, there are yeah. some projections, uh, those are also not- the
0: ones that we get the most news on. He oh is sure, sure, and, sure, the sure. Most and they're the
1: ones by, that wide margin that impact the projections the most. I mean, there there are some that would probably swing, uh, you know, which side of a projection we were on if we knew for sure a guy was in or out. You know, will Spencer Sanders play this week? He was out last week. Um, uh, Indiana's quarterback situation is is kind of weird. Not that that's going to make a huge difference. They're forty point underdogs or something, but. Um, you know, Baron Morton looked like he had kind of taken control of the Texas Tech quarterback situation. He goes out with a lower body injury. He's probably going to be out for a bit. Um, uh, UCLA, interestingly, their running back room, uh, really, really thin. Zach Charbonnet did not play last week uh, to the surprise of many, but uh, the two guys behind him, Casimir uh, Allen and um, – oh, geez, who's the the – uh, top backup, uh, Keegan Jones, both of those guys apparently have been limited in practice this week. Um, so that's, you know, something, something to watch. Usually running back injuries don't get a, a ton of, uh, talk, but, um, when they're really, really thin at that position, you know, something, something to monitor. Um, but also, you know, other running backs were, were impacted. We didn't see Marshawn Lloyd for South Carolina. Uh, Israel Apiconda for Pitt. A uh, bit of a surprise, didn't play. Um, I know Jarrell Brock, Brock went down uh, at Iowa State. So just that time of year, there's, there's a lot of injuries impacting a lot of teams. And it makes things tricky. Um, you know, we do projections. We've talked about it plenty. Different than most. I mean, there are a lot of really, really smart analytic systems out there. Um, that do you know great stuff that that just don't drill down to the player level like we do. And uh, when we are able to, you know, get the information we need on an injury, or if we you know make the right choice, whether we get lucky or not, sometimes uh, can swing that against the spread record. That you know, uh, absolute error when we get down to how far our actual projected final score differs from uh, what the odds makers have. Um, but this time of year, you know, there's there's even more murkiness. It seems like every team is banged up. A lot of guys are banged up. Um, and we're getting to the point of the year where, you know, some teams bull fate is sealed. Uh, maybe there's a guy with a, you know, uh professional future who might just decide, yeah, you know, maybe it's it's time to uh take it easy and and start focusing a little bit on um you know, life after college football. And and so uh, we might have some surprise, whether it's quarterback or or other, uh, you know, top draft pick type guys be out somewhat unexpectedly. So uh, unfortunately, it's just something we have to deal with this time of year. And and it's a bit bit of a a blessing and a curse that we uh, do take into account those things as best we can. Uh, We certainly can't be perfect with them. But Uh, sometimes we get it right and it pays off and and sometimes we get it wrong and it doesn't. So, uh, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out this week, but a lot of teams are banged up, a lot of players
0: and a lot of important positions as well. I tell you what's been bothering me, Nick is the guy announced the starter, uh, in the stadium and then doesn't play like that's the thing, you know, and I know you as a bigger CFF guy than I am at this point, I know that stuff has got to annoy the crap out of you. Right. Uh yeah, I mean from a CFF perspective, if there's any doubt in my mind,
1: I don't play it. just don't I, I play it. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, the thing now with you know, Fantrax did the uh uh you can rank some backups to to play if a guy unexpectedly doesn't. Um but yeah, I mean it's 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 tricky and it's
0: frustrating it, for sure. It, it
1: certainly can be. Um but you know, we I spend entirely too much time on Twitter and you know, <laughs> 99% of the time I feel like I'm wasting my time, but uh, 1% of the time get a little bit of injury news that um, can shed some light and hopefully it pays off for uh, our projections and, and our subscribers and, and you know, who, who are looking for that information. We uh, If we miss something. I would say 99 times out of a hundred. It's not for lack of trying. It's just sometimes right. we can't get the information.
0: So. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's not readily available for everyone, which I feel like probably needs to change with so much gambling being legalized, but you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see if we ever get there. Uh, Cause it's something we've been complaining about for a while. And it, there doesn't seem to be much change on the horizon here, but uh, let's dive into week 11 And start with some of these games. I just personally think that maybe TCU versus Texas is the big one of this week. Number four, TCU on the road against number 18, uh, Texas. The line is Texas by seven. Uh, We have it by Texas just a little bit teeny itty bitty bit, slightly under that. Um, 64 and a half is the total. We are on the under there as well. So. Uh, let's start out Texas TCU with the big one of the week, Nick. Uh, How how do you, uh, is this the big game of the week, number one? And uh, how do you lean in this one?
1: Uh, It's definitely one of the big games. And Texas is a really interesting team to me, specifically still, not just because they project really, really well. They're still our highest ranked uh, Big 12 team in our power rankings. And that may sound strange because they've got three losses and TCU's undefeated uh but tcu's 15th in our most recent power rankings and texas is uh, number seven uh won't try to get uh, try not to go on on too much of a tangent here but last week i mentioned that texas is probably our preseason number one in 2023 i made a little bit of an omission i think usc is probably going to make a run uh as well they have a chance we'll take that uh one and two uh, flashback to what 2005. Yeah, or uh, but yeah, Texas is is a team that our our projections and and you know we're not alone. Um, some of you, you know, if you follow uh, CFB Winning Edge on on Twitter, you've probably seen it's it's uh, basically a Tuesday morning staple now. But uh, Nate Manzo at CFB Nate compiles uh, our projections, uh, Kelly Ford's K Ford ratings. Uh, Bill Connolly's SP, Plus, uh, Beta Rank by Rob Bowen, and uh, FPI, of course, the, the ESPN uh, Football Power Index, puts them all together in a composite and, and does some nice uh, data visualization, uh, but pretty consistently as a group. Um, those, you know, I have a lot of respect for the other projection systems, and, and we do it very differently, I think, than most of them, but uh, we all are, are pretty consistent that Texas is just maybe the best team in the Big 12. Uh, or at least, you know, has has that ability. Obviously, it hasn't always worked out on the field. Um, but uh, you know, we have Texas favored, as you mentioned. It's not just because uh, this is a home game. We would have been favored uh, on a neutral field. We would have been favored in Fort Worth. Um, that said, it's it's certainly no slam dunk that Texas gets this done. TCU is is a really really strong team. Um, they have slipped a little bit in some of our advanced numbers or our team performance numbers for a large portion of the year to date. They were you know, top 10, uh, well within the top 10 in, in you know offensive team performance. Um, they are now down to 20th in overall team performance. They're 11th in offensive team performance, still top 10 in both passing and rushing. So they've been an efficient offense. They rank really, really high in a lot of the numbers that you know, carry some weight in those team performance numbers. Number six in yards per play, uh, number nine in yards per pass attempt, number eight in uh, PPA per play. So predicted points added per play from collegefootballdata.com. Uh, top ten in points per drive. So uh, you know, efficiency-wise, and and um, just doing the things that they need to do consistently to put points on the scoreboard. TCU is is a very very difficult offense to. Uh, slow down, and they haven't necessarily been at full strength. I mean, the first couple of weeks, uh, we really didn't see much from Quentin Johnston. He played two, three snaps last week, wasn't a factor uh, in in last week's win. So TCU has been able to, you know, find ways riding Kendra Miller, uh, you know, getting more production out of Tate Barber and Darius Davis uh, than they had and you know, previous uh years um the offensive line's playing you know decently well not dominant but uh, right around the top 40 in our o-line team performance numbers so there's really no weakness on the offensive side of the ball texas is is not uh you know for for a while one of texas's biggest issues was just struggling uh defensively uh you know poor tackling things like that some of the the advanced uh, stat numbers, you know, just didn't look good. Um, this year, they're they're decent, not dominant again by any stretch, but uh, 28th in defensive team performance, 13th against the run. That's kind of interesting to see how that works out uh, because TCU might, you know, really try to ride Miller, especially if Johnston is uh, not going to be able to go or, or not full speed. Uh, but Texas grades out pretty similarly uh, offensively. They're top 25, both passing and rushing, but uh, 12th in offensive team performance overall. And with a little bit better defense, ranked sixth in overall team performance. So Quinn Ewers has looked incredible at times. He's had some games where, you know, wasn't quite clicking on all cylinders, but Bijan Robinson is uh, on the very, very short list of best players in college football. We're talking Heisman, you know. Uh, if, if it truly were given to the best player in college football, B. John Robinson would certainly be in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, uh, Xavier worthy is, uh, you know, has the ability to, to make big plays. Um, Jatavian Sanders has been really consistent at tight end, you know, really blossoming into uh, a bit of a weapon and and a rising star at that position. The offensive lines playing in the top 20 level, uh, so it, it's, it's a little bit tricky. TCU has been consistently finding a way to win. Um, they've kind of, I think, earned my respect. They have, uh, backed it up with a lot of the underlying numbers that we look at, uh, defensively a little bit, you know, to be desired, but they've been at least to, to my eye, fairly consistent. Texas even though they they have the high highs, and you know a lot of the numbers are similar to what TCU has done, they're not in the top ten in any of those big offensive categories, but they're in the top twenty five in just about everything. Um, but we've seen Texas struggle at times. We've seen Texas fail to uh, you know win games that that they have a big talent advantage in. Um, they have, of course you know, lost three times, two of those were away from home, and then the home, you know, lost to Alabama by one point with a backup quarterback, you know, that, that uh, can probably be forgiven. So this game being at home, uh, Texas having the talent edge, according to our numbers, being comparable on offense, a little bit better on defense, I think this is a game that Texas should win. It does not mean that they will. Um, but like you said, our projection right there with the odds makers officially. Uh, our talent edge number has Texas closer to double digits. Our stats only model has it about a six point uh, projected point spread. So, you know, not a huge edge one way or the other, um, but should be you know, a really, really fun game. Probably should be a Texas win. But, you know, as well as TCU has, has been. Uh, able to find ways to win. It, it wouldn't shock me if they're able to, uh, you know, get another one this week either. So I don't necessarily have a, a, a clear read on it, um, but it should be a fun game and, and definitely one that that I'm going to set aside a, uh, you know, specific screen and, and pay a lot of attention to.
0: Yeah, I like that. Xavier, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Texas TCU? I mean, uh, TCU definitely – the uh, more consistent team, specifically this season, too. Uh, but the odds are in Texas's favor. It's in Austin. And most people agree that Texas has the better roster. They just don't almost never play up to it. So uh, your thoughts in, on this game?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny is I wouldn't necessarily even call TCU extremely consistent. Uh, we, talk, we 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 kind of hinted as we were talking about it earlier uh, before the podcast started. Is they are not extremely; they're not a great bunch. Uh, they they let teams hang around. Like I said, they they start off extremely slow in a ton of games. And you talk about a team that's been lucky in some regards. Woo! I mean, TCU hasn't played a starting quarterback in how many weeks? Like, they is <laughs> a team that has had some extremely good luck uh, when we're talking about injury history as well. And I think that that has led to some of their wins. I mean, heck, you look at the Kansas State game, this is a team that had no business being in that game if it wasn't for the injuries of both Walker Howard and Adrian Martinez, uh, a game, in my opinion, that they were you know bound to lose at that point. Uh, Even this past week against Texas Tech, they were in a dogfight. And if it wasn't for, once again, backup quarterback playing, just not being it. Uh, Tyler Shuck, even though he came in, it was once their starter quarterback at some point. He just didn't look healthy either. Uh, I just feel like they have had some. They, they just have been very unimpressive. Um, that's why they've been on my fraud watch. I'm just waiting at this point for them to lose a game, and I think it, 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 all things considered, it should be this week. Uh, Texas is a team that has a talent. Um, the only way they lose this game is if Quinn Ewers pulls another uh, what was it, Iowa State, where he decided to just you know throw away the game, like literally throw it away. Um, I, I just don't see him doing that in this ball game. I, I think you know at the end of the day. And the other thing, too, is that TCU, for me, road test-wise, I don't know how good they are on the road. Uh, They haven't had a a road test in, I think, in a a little bit of a minute. Um, And now going into Austin with a chance. I mean, heck, look, would I be surprised if Texas fans rushed the field after beating TCU this week? Absolutely not. That's just, I think, the energy that's going to be given to this game by Texas fans, by the Big 12. I mean, heck, they win this game. I think they've solidified themselves at the Big 12 championship. Uh, attendee, at that point as well, everything's to play for in Texas is mine. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, obviously the playoff is gone, but I mean, look, this is a team that hasn't won the Big Twelve in how long, uh, Scott? So you know, this yeah, this oh, wow. this is this is a team that still has everything to play for. Uh, their season goals are probably still right there in front of them. If you told Texas fans that in week what nine or ten you'd have an opportunity to you know put yourself in the Big Twelve championship by beating TCU, they'd bite your hand off. Um, so I, I think that this is a huge game. I think, T, I think TCU finally drops one, um, from a team that, like I said, I think was a little bit has been favorable in the, in the way that they've been able to win games up until this point.
0: Uh, it's going to be a fun one. That's for sure. And, and, uh, my neighbors will hear me screaming at the television for <laughs> a big chunk of the evening. I Was sure. that a British slash
1: soccer thing that you threw out there? The bite, bite your arm off. Isn't that oh, a- Yes. Yes, yes. 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 <laughs> he, he's Sorry. been
0: listening to those FIFA commentators for too yeah. long. I think so. Uh, interesting. <laughs> um, Old Miss uh, at home against Bama this week should be a fun one. Uh, Bama is 11 and a half point favorites. We have them by significantly less than that. Closer to nine. Uh, a little bit under nine still. Sixty three and a half is a total. We are under. Is this another week where we're on most unders here, Nick? I see one over, but everything else looks to be. I mean, pretty significantly under for the most part. Uh, I think for the the
1: slate as a whole, there are more overs than there were last week. So it's not like eighty five percent or whatever it was, uh, but it is definitely a a strong uh, unders majority. Yeah, okay. On, on the unders, which I I don't I never love. I've said this before, I'm sure, but I, I never love being really lopsided on whatever it is. Favorites, sure. underdogs, overs, unders. Um, uh, you know, even the team previews, which when we were talking about, you know, have, have worked out pretty well so far. I really didn't like when we were on every over for the teams in the, you know, bottom one hundreds. you know, But this time of year, we certainly saw some weather last week. Um, I don't, I, I would rather be on unders than overs, you know, at, at least the number, the, the percentages that we are. So I don't, hate it necessarily, but I would rather be a little closer to uh, 50-50 week in and week out. But um, this game is, uh, you know, our projection, like most of our Alabama projections. I mentioned that they're still number two in our power rankings. Uh, They are a team that I think is capable of beating anybody by 17, 21. I mean, we've seen... Uh, them just be able to pull away in the second half. But obviously this Alabama team uh, hasn't just looked beatable, uh, you know, what, three, four times this year. Uh, but they've actually been beaten a couple of times. So it, it you know, I I don't know exactly how I feel about this particular projection uh, compared to the odds makers. It's very, very similar to last week's where I said a lot of the same things. Like, yeah, Alabama's you know, what was it, 12 and a half or something, Um, and could totally see them winning by that 17 or 20 or or 24. Um, However, LSU certainly, you know, we we talked about last week, was talented enough to stay in the game. I didn't necessarily think that they were really going to win it, but obviously they they did. Um, Ole Miss, very similar. I mean, this game is in Oxford, uh, a talented roster. They've been playing really, really well. I feel like Ole Miss has been really kind of flying under the radar a bit. Uh, Our projections have have really been high on Ole Miss Miss a lot. Uh, They spent some time in our top 10. They're now 14th, but their team performance ratings overall, they're 17th in team performance offensively. Uh, One of the best, you know, offenses in the country. And it's, you know, uh, they rank seventh in offensive team performance, and they really haven't gotten... Excellent quarterback play. Uh, so I think that this offense has room for improvement. I mean, the 33rd in passing offensive team performance. They are, uh, you know, far from uh, full strength in the receiving core. They've been without Jalen Robinson off and on most of the year. A lot of people expected to be an impact transfer uh, at, at uh, the slot position, uh, Michael Trigg, one of the most talented tight ends in the country has been out for a while and, and will miss the remainder of the season. Um, they've gotten some, you know, production from Jonathan Mingo who most expected to be the, the number one guy in that unit, but they're not putting up, you know, big passing numbers, uh, by any stretch, but they've been really, really good running the football number two in rushing team performance Zach Evans has been, you know, limited, but Quinchon Judkins is is, uh, one, you know, quickly becoming one of the best running backs in college football. Not just, uh, you know, freshman All American type season, but I mean, he's got twelve production points this year, which, if you know that that is, uh, for running backs, it's a lot of, you know, hundred yard games, fifty receiving yards in a game, things like that. Um, and he's just been consistent week in week out, even. Though he started the season behind Zach Evans, and and you know has been splitting time with him uh, for for a good part of the year when Evans has been available, so uh, Ole Miss is just you know beating teams, running the football. The offensive line's playing really well, 11th and O line performance, uh, and defensively they are not uh, great, but they've taken another small step forward. They were 72nd in defensive team performance overall last season. Uh, and this year, they're 63rd. Um, you know They're 69th against the pass, 59th against the run. So they're certainly, uh, they they are a team that's probably not going to shut Alabama down. I mean, they're 89th in success rate against, 68th in PPA per play allowed. Uh, the only, you know, of the five main stats that we track in our team profiles, that they're inside the top 50 is points per drive, and that's 46th. Alabama has not been... You know, the, the Alabama offense we're used to seeing. Uh, we mentioned Bryce Young was out of sync at times last uh, last week. The receiving core really just hasn't quite been what we're used to. Um, they've, they've had some moments from guys like Ja'Cory Brooks and, and uh, you know, Treshawn Holden early in the year. And, and, you know, Jane Burton has certainly the, the potential. Uh, Kobe Prentice is a freshman, has emerged as a starter for the most part. Um, but we're, we're not seeing the, you know, the waddles and the Smiths and, and, uh, just the, the first rounder after first rounder automatic, uh, this year, it, it just hasn't quite been operating at hundred percent. They're 16th in overall offensive team performance, which for most teams would be an excellent, uh, number, but we're used to seeing Alabama top three and, and, and certainly contending for that number one spot. Uh, but with Young and Jameer Gibbs, I mean, they, they certainly have the ability to uh, put the ball in the end zone early and often. Uh, if they can find a rhythm, they can punish that Ole Miss defense. Um, but this is a little bit of an unfamiliar spot for Alabama uh, to be, you know, in early November, basically written out of the playoff uh, conversation. Still, a lot of things could happen to get them back in it, but um, we're used to seeing, and this is what I expected. Uh, you know, if Alabama loses early on, for them to sort of take that, turn it into motivation, and just come out and you know dominate from from there on out that 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 was sort of what I expected we would see after the loss to Tennessee. Uh, but now they've got two losses in their last three games. Um, and you know, will we see an Alabama team uh kind of, I don't want to say give up. I, I certainly don't expect that, but could we see, you know, we just we haven't seen an Alabama team without that, you know, motivational uh, factor Yeah, uh, yeah, that 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 carrot that uh, you know, national championship that they're playing for. We're not used to seeing, on November twelfth, Alabama not, you know, be able to to use that for motivation. So I don't know exactly what to expect. Are we gonna see sort of a pissed-off Alabama that that wants to come out and just say, you know what, we're better than Ole Miss, we're more talented uh and just go out and blow them out or are we going to see a like oh man you know we're not going to play for a national championship we're not going to go to the SEC championship game probably uh you know it's time to prepare for the NFL draft yeah and just not I mean I I don't necessarily expect that I I feel like the coaching staff and and Nick Saban you know what we know of him uh, historically won't sort of tolerate that uh you know, in practice and, and things like that, that, that build up to the game, but those sort of things happen to teams, um, especially when they get some, uh, you know, results that, that were disappointing and unexpected. And and uh, you can do one of two things. You can respond and, you know, play better and, and uh, go out and, and uh, put out your best performance the next time, or you can kind of fold a little bit. We might not see, you know, one extreme or the other. Um, this might be a game that Alabama wins, and it doesn't look, you know, dominant or 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 its best self. Um, but I'm really curious. I, I feel like if if an Alabama team were to, you know, kind of mail it in a little bit, and again, I'm this is a very low <laughs> percent chance, I think, of happening, ten percent <laughs> or less, probably. But at this scenario, we just haven't really seen it often or, or you know, in recent memory. Uh, so I think it's a greater likelihood than, than you know, I'm even bringing it up. I never would have brought it up in, in years past. But um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really curious to see how Alabama responds this week. Uh, I was curious about it at the Mississippi State game. They came out and put together one of their best games of the year, maybe their most complete game of the year. Um, will we see that again or is the second loss sort of too much and this Alabama team is just beatable now for a team like Ole Miss that, you know, will be at a talent disadvantage, but can run the football really well, has has played really, you know, strong, has the extra week to prepare. Um, I don't know. Ole-, Ole Miss, I think, has a chance, but uh, I wouldn't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't have a great read on it one way or the other uh, <laughs> in not projections either, but I I'm really, really curious. This is going to be other than the, you know, Texas TCU. This is, is right up there with, um, a game that I'm just, I'm, I really, really want to see, um, because I don't have a, a
0: great feel for it and it could go, you know, either way. Uh, Xavier, I mean, Uh, do you have a better feeling about this game? Do you have an instinctual? And do you think that that's um, motivation could be a factor for Alabama? I think my motivation would not to be to make Nick Saban mad, but he's already mad. So um, I don't know. Is that, is that even in question here for you? Or um, do you think Bama shows up just to beat the brakes off of Lane Kiffin here?
2: I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. It's weird because when you looked at, uh, I went back and watched uh, Nick Saban's press conference after the game he just kind of like apologized. He wasn't (laughs) angry. He wasn't upset. He didn't have like this fervor to be like, ah, we'll get him back. You know, nothing. He was just like, he was apologizing to his players. And Saban typically does this, you know, at the end of the year, you know, he always leaves you off with like a, you know, and this wasn't even our best or the players did it all. And, you know, right on the flip side, you know, you look at Ole Miss, and what more inspiration do you need than the last time you saw these guys? You got the break speed off of you, and your coach got embarrassed on national television. You know, like you've got you've got it right in front of you to make sure, and you're still competing for something. Remember that. Like this, this isn't done deal. If LSU goes out and loses a game, you're sitting right there. You know, they, they play Arkansas on the road this weekend, as we'll talk about in a second. They're not hugely favored. So you've got an opportunity here to keep playing for something. The same thing goes for Bama, but, you know, obviously you need a lot of work. You need a lot of help at that point because obviously LSU would have to lose three games because uh, they own the tiebreaker. So, you know, you, you look at what Ole Miss, you know, still has in front of them and they still have, you know, the, the their entire, all, everything that they want. Like I said earlier about Texas, it's still right in front of them. They have to be the most motivated team on the field. And history has taught us, unfortunately for Alabama fans, and I'm going to bring this up, they don't they don't really care about anything but the national championship. They they are not a team who wants to play a Sugar Bowl, wants to play an Outback Bowl, wants to play a little like they don't care. They have shown this several times in their history. They got the doors beat off of them by Utah. They got the doors be off of them by Oklahoma. Both of those were in like New Year's Six games. They Jerry Judy
0: shows up, right? Isn't they're, he the one yeah. guy to show up?
2: I mean, like, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, like there, they, they have had a propensity to not care once the national championship is out of the picture. So, you know, we, we say that this isn't a Saban thing, but we also Saban also doesn't miss the playoffs all that frequently. And the times that he does, his teams just suck. They don't they don't show up to play their games. Um, now he's got extra motivation this week, but it being Lane Kiffin. So at the end of the day, well, he what he's you know. Saban's got pride at the end of the day, so he's not going to just be like, "Whatever, guys, it's, it's, you know, it's Oxford, it's, it's Ole Miss, take it how you want to." But I would not be surprised if this team came out there and was lackadaisical. I just wouldn't. There they, Saban is not a guy who, in his time at, at Alabama, has made sure that his his teams keep focused once they're out of the national championship picture. That's just how it goes for him a lot of the times. Uh, but that just tells you how many times they're out of the national championship picture that Nick could not even remember the last time that this has happened uh, for right. them to just be this lackadaisical. You know, when we're talking about this far in this, or this, I guess, this far in the season for them. I mean, but this is rather early for them to be out of the national championship picture. Um, so, yeah, like I just when you look at Ole Miss, there's no way that Ole Miss is going to come out there and be the worst team on Saturday. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win, but there's no way that they go out there and they're just, you know, a share of themselves. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I think this will be a really good game. I think Alabama will have will have the, you know, like I said, they'll, their head coach. The one thing he doesn't do is he doesn't like Lane Kiffin. Like, I don't, I, he, he will make sure that <laughs> if anything happens, he will make sure that he embarrasses yeah. that dude. Um, and on the flip side, the feeling is mutual, and I think this is going to be a, a, a raucous atmosphere in Oxford. Uh, you know, and I think this is going to be a really good game. I have Alabama winning very, very slightly just because I think that Alabama has to figure out that they're the most talented team on the field and play like it. Uh, the last couple of weeks has just been really ugly from both uh skill positions, wide receiver and DBs alike, just haven't played well. It's been bullied on both sides of the ball. Uh and and you know, Bryce Young has had to throw to Jameer Gibbs more than I thought he ever would have to. Jameer Gibbs is essentially a receiver now. I mean, that's how many times he was, you know, looked at towards in the passing game. You know, this game might come down to who's the better running back, him or Juckins. Like realistically, this, you know, that, that's might what it comes down to because at the end of the day, Jacori Brooks hasn't been able to get open. Jermaine Burton hasn't looked, hasn't looked good all year. Uh, you know, Jojo Earl had his first catch in the game last week in the last drive of the game. Like th- this is a receiving core that just has not shown up whatsoever. Uh, so, you know, I-, I just feel like, you know, o- Ole Miss sh- has everything in front of them to win this game, but there's just something about that Alabama team, man, when they play Ole Miss, it either is Ole Miss winning with some, you know, so some luck shout out to Chad Kelly or It's Alabama blowing the doors off of them and just being like, all right, remember, remember, we might be, you know, second in the SEC West, but we're not below y'all. So give me Bama to win this one. I think it'll be tighter than in previous years. You know, Lane Kiffin will make sure he doesn't get embarrassed this season. But don't be surprised if Jackson Dark throws like two or three picks and all of a sudden it's it's a boat race either.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I could really see that game going either way. It is uh, it's gonna be a fun one for sure. Like Nick said, gotta make sure uh to get that one up on a screen uh, this week. Uh, Oregon, uh, number six, hosting uh, number twenty-five, Washington. Oregon is a thirteen and a half point favorite in this game. We are under that, closer to nine. Seventy-two and a half is the total. We're way under that projected total here, Nick. So uh, tell me about this Pac-12 matchup, uh, Oregon and Washington. And uh, I mean, that's pretty significant uh, that we're on the under here.
1: Yeah, our, our uh, totals, at least late in the season, have obviously, as we mentioned, have really been leaning heavily toward the under. Uh, and it's pretty rare at this point for our total, Stephen, to get into the 60s. So uh, for a couple of the games that, you know, we'll talk about tonight that are in the 70s. Yeah, we're, we're not even close. So um, that so far and, and last week, we didn't get punished too bad. Uh, ended up with a you know 53%, which I'd, I'd take week after week if we could. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. And, and hopefully that'll, you know, continue. Um, but these are two obviously strong offenses. Oregon, in fact, is number two offensively in our team performance numbers. Number four rushing, which I think probably surprises some folks. I mean, I know Bucky Irving's uh had some some moments, um, but they've been kind of by committee there most of the year and and then Irving is has stepped up a time or two. Bo Nix certainly gives them something on the ground. And and talk about, you know, our Heisman conversation in and out for the first hour uh tonight, to not mention Bo Nicks, probably a bit of an oversight. He's played incredibly
0: incredibly well. I dropped um, his name in there after oh did you, you know, I missed yeah it. I missed it. Yeah. So I mean it was uh, a passing you know it was just uh you know <laughs> he's plus fourteen or whatever uh, oh sure 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 plus twelve uh because he's plus twelve and Drake May is plus fourteen so gotcha okay so but but talking about like legit candidates uh I mean Oregon
1: they they are certainly hurt by that week one performance against Georgia. What was it 42 to three 49 to three? Um, that's going to be maybe impossible to shake off. But uh, in the 10 weeks since, they've been maybe the best offense in the country. I mean, they're number one in success rate, number one in PPA per play. Uh, I believe they're actually number one in success rate. Um, And this is according to collegefootballdata.com, which excludes garbage time. I run the numbers when I do team performance. I run them not just for this year. I run it all the way uh, this year compared to every season since 2014. So I do get to see when a, a 2022 team, you know, pops up at the very top of the list. I believe Oregon's number one in success rate over that entire time period, uh, and that includes you know the non-garbage time against Georgia. So uh, really, really impressive what they've done. They're number one in points per drive. Uh, number four in yards per play against FBS opponents. So they're just offensively off the charts right now. And Knicks is doing a lot of that, you know, really, really good work. Uh, Troy Franklin has emerged this year. Like a lot of folks thought he would as a really, really high four fringe, five-star type guy. Um, They're still not super deep at receiver. Uh, I know Chase Coda has been banged up a little bit. Um, They've got, some quality tight ends for sure. The number one offensive line in the country in our O line performance ratings. They're actually number two in our O line strength ratings, which is a 75-25 combination of our talent ratings and our our performance ratings. So uh, that unit is about as good as it gets. They've they've done a really good job of of keeping Knicks uh, you know clean and, and out of trouble. Uh, to allow him to make all the plays that he's been making. Um, defensively, Oregon and, and you know, are they exposed a little bit because the offense is so good, maybe score so quick, so the defense is on the field a lot? Maybe, but, you know, some of the the efficiency numbers and the per play and per drive numbers are, are not great. Um, they're 82nd in team performance defensively uh, across the board. They're 94th. Against the pass, which is not great. Um, they are 73rd or worse in all five of those major stats uh, that I like to cite, including 90th in success rate allowed, 99th in PPA per play and 93rd in yards per play. So uh, can Washington move the football against Oregon? Yeah, probably. Um, you know when when that offense is clicking, uh, and it hasn't been, you know quite as good uh in you know the last five or six weeks as it was in September. But we've seen Michael Penix play at a really, really high level. Um we have seen Roma Dunza, you know, really emerge as as maybe the best receiver in the Pac-12. I mean, I think he's certainly in that conversation, having a, a really, really huge, consistent year. Uh, Jalen McMillan's, you know, played pretty well at times. We've seen Jalen Polk at times this year. Uh, Cameron Davis has a huge touchdown number. Uh, on the ground, but you know, the the offense has slipped a little bit. They're 24th in uh, team performance on the offensive side of the ball. They're 18th passing. The rushing is you know mediocre, but uh, some of the numbers are really really good. Seventh in points per drive, ninth in success rate, tenth in PPA per play. Um, so I think that they are going to be able to move the football against Oregon. But similarly, Washington's defense has struggled. They are not bad against the run. Uh, they're 35th in, in rushing team performance defensively, but the passing numbers are are really, really rough. I mean, 121st in passing defensive team performance. They are 115th in yards per pass attempt allowed, 104th in points per drive allowed, 96th in success rate, 93rd in PPA per play. The best of those five stats is, is yards per play, and they're 82nd. So uh, if Washington... You know, doesn't rush the passer, uh, doesn't make you know big plays. Guys like Braylon Trice, who's off to a really strong start this year as an edge rusher. Um, we saw ZTF get a little bit banged up. Hopefully he'll be back. Uh, but we saw Edifan Ulafashio back for the first time last week. Uh, that would be a lift in, in that linebacker core. But you know, if guys like Trice and Jeremiah Martin aren't bringing the quarterback down. Uh, defensively, and part of it is they've had some injuries in the secondary. Guys like Michelle Powell uh, have been hurt. One of their starting corners. I know Julius Irvin has dealt with a lot of injuries in his career, but uh, was was uh, announced that he's going to be out for the year. Um, you know, Washington can can uh, find itself in trouble, give up big plays, and and give up points quickly. So, if they are able to put pressure on Knicks uh, which right now, you know, doesn't doesn't look like great odds with that offensive line playing as well as it is, and, and Nick's being, uh, you know, as elusive as he can be in the pocket to give himself some time or even take off and run, you know, it, it's not necessarily a great matchup for Washington defensively. Hard to imagine that they're really going to be able to slow down Oregon in Eugene. Uh, so our our numbers are uh, not quite able to get there. I mean, you know, two touchdowns, uh, for Oregon in a conference game against a rival and, you know, a fringe top 25 team, Washington's 26, uh, excuse me, 26 in our power rankings, Oregon's number eight. Um, it's just, you know, our projections were not quite able to, to get there. So we do have Washington covering, have it, you know, uh, on the, the uh, single digit side nine nine and a third basically in our official projection. Talent edge is eight, uh, and our our you know stats model gives Oregon a little bit more credit, but still uh, you know about eleven and a half, so still two points shy of the half. thirteen and a half. Um, that is, I think, you know, certainly conceivable. We could we could see Washington sort of rise to the occasion and and make it a game, uh, but. I'm not really seeing a lot of signs to make me think that Washington is the team that's going to be able to, to beat Oregon uh, to be able to go into Eugene and sort of uh, stop this offense um, or at least slow it to the point uh, where you know they're going to be able to, to capitalize and and pick up a big upset win uh, I think Oregon's just you know playing really really well and then has some of those, outside factors, home field advantage, um, uh, the matchup, you know, their explosive offense against sort of the weaker parts of the Washington defense. Um, it, it, it seems like a game that Oregon should win, even if Washington keeps it close early. Uh, I, I do think that Oregon's going to pull away and, and win, you know, double digits seems right. Um,
0: but certainly a touchdown or more,
1: I, I think makes sense.
0: Xavier, uh, you know, I know you are the biggest Bo Nix fan uh, on this podcast for sure. So, uh, (laughs) well, how do you see this game going down? I mean, uh, Nix is absolutely in the Heisman race right now. I think we said his name is fifth or sixth uh, in the voting or in the odds right now at the voting. Uh, But um, do you see Oregon just handling Washington like they have been doing recently?
2: Yeah, I just... I think they kid around in the head. I think Washington, if they were a team that leaned on their defense, it'd be a different game. Um, but they're not. They 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 almost play towards shootouts, right? They're a team that wants to, you know, bend but don't break defensively. Um, offensively, they like to score quickly. They're, they're a team that, I mean, Penix might throw 60 times in this game, and that's not even me joking. This is, this is genuinely a team that might throw the ball 60 times, because they, you know, they've gotten away. It's been a long time since Miles Gaskin and those guys were just running the football at will. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that Oregon, unfortunately for Washington, this is a game of styles, and Washington Oregon style really hurts Washington. You know, last week Washington went into Oregon State and got a really big win, uh, but Oregon State was much more of a, a of an easier matchup. You know, Oregon State was a team that likes to run possession; they like to keep the ball. You know. That was watching. that was right in Washington's wheelhouse. They were a team that, you know, was expecting Oregon, and they also don't have the horses on the outside uh, to run that consistently over and over and over again. And you saw, even in that case, Washington still barely came away with the victory. Um, Oregon State, in some ways, kind of just led, you know, kind of threw it away in some respects. Uh, and Michael Penix probably played one of his best games uh, of the year. Um, in my opinion, you know, maybe the stats don't say that, but I thought he protected the ball extremely well, which is something he's had problems with at times this year. Um, and I think they, they just they just personally played a really solid game. Um, this is just a really bad game for them. Oregon is extremely good at what they do now. They have figured themselves out. Even if you go back and watch that week one against Georgia, they were still trying to pass the ball a little bit too much. Right. They they were trying to, to sling it around um, even before the game got out of hand. They kind of gave a little bit too much trust to Bo Nix. And I think Dan Lanning remembered who his quarterback was and was like, hey, I remember when you were successful at Auburn when they ran the football. Hey, (laughs) maybe we can do that here. And it's worked to perfection. You know, that game against UCLA was kind of the eye opening matchup for me. They outran a UCLA team that was like one of the best running teams in all of college football. At the time, uh, you know, they and then they have a platoon at running back. Right. They lost Travis, Dye to USC. And it doesn't look like they slowed down back there whatsoever. Um, And Bo Nix has taken a bigger chunk of the offense in the running game. And it it looks really good. I I just don't understand. I just don't find a way for Washington to win this game. Uh, Eugene is an awful place to play. Um, I'm just not in favor of Washington as much of a Washington, you know, kind of, you know, fan from afar that I have been. I don't see them winning this game at all. Uh, I think Oregon wins this game pretty handedly, and that gives Oregon another ranked win. Like I said on uh, in uh, in a spaces, which if you don't know what that is, Nick, it's on Twitter. You, you probably know what spaces. Are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, oh, oh well, you don't. Know. Uh, but so you know, I, I said in the spaces earlier this uh, or during college football on on Friday, I said, "Listen, I don't care what anybody says. Oregon's got a run here that they could play four ranked games to end the year." Uh, Washington first, Oregon State could easily get back in the top 25 this week, after, uh, you know, after this week, uh, UCLA and USC in, in, in the Pac-12 championship game. You know, that, that, there you go. That, that is four ranked wins that Oregon would get on the back half of the year that would easily, in my opinion, easily put them in the Pac-12 uh, in, in the uh, college football playoff at that point.
0: Uh, Nick, can, can you hear me, Grandpa? Uh, are, are... I, you know, I tried to listen to his <laughs> faces
1: once. I don't know. I... Somebody asked me once, you know, hey, we, should, you guys should do do spaces for the, uh,
0: you know, the three of us.
1: I don't know, I can't. So, listen, we'll I host see. them all. Well, I listen, I, 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 I do
0: it on a weekly basis for best. Yeah, well, so, you guys, yeah. you know, more power to you guys.
2: <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's definitely not, I don't know if it's Nick's cup of tea, if, if you know what I mean, Scott. I, I I don't think Nick wants to hear that kind of raucous behavior on a consistent basis. The space is a <laughs> yeah. Are you saying
0: that we're all he can take? Is, is that <laughs> what it Hell is? No, no air? So. definitely. I don't want any outside yeah. criticism. I know, keep myself in a nice <laughs> little know, bubble. Just inside yeah. criticism, that's right. That's sure. uh, right. Uh, n- number 17, Tulane, a two-and-a-half point favorite, hosting number 22, uh, UCF. We are just slightly under that line, but we're pretty close to it. 52-and-a-half is a total. Another one we're fairly close to here, Nick, uh, just a little bit under that as well. So ranked-on-ranked, uh, ranked, uh, G5 matchup here. Uh, what do you think about Tulane hosting UCF?
1: So this is one of those that our choice on how we read the quarterback situation is, is the determining factor in what side of this we're on. Uh, John Rice-Pumlee did not play last week for uh, UCF. Uh, He is a 90 rated player on our individual player ratings, pretty highly rated coming out of high school has been productive both uh, at Ole Miss as a freshman and, and this year, at UCF, so good player fits the offense really well. With him, you know, in the lineup and fully healthy, uh, we would give UCF certainly. You know, we would be on UCF to cover, and, and it'd be pretty close to actually having UCF uh, favored in this game um, on the road at, at Tulane. Without Dry Dres- Street, without John Rice finally, if we knew that he was going to be out, uh, we would have Tulane favored you know, by, by more than a field goal. So uh, what we did and and what usually is kind of my default, if I really don't, you know, uh, you know, if, if really it's just a, who knows what, what the situation's going to be is to kind of slash it, you know, give John Rice Plumlee and and Mikey Keene um, co-starter tags and to list three quarterbacks in the, the two deep section uh, which gets a little little less weight, but you know pulls it down just a little bit uh, as well. So will Plumlee play? Maybe uh, we try to account for that. Will he be a hundred percent? You know, even if he plays, maybe not. So try to hedge a little bit, and, and that's sort of where the number comes out. Just you know, the quarterback is that important, especially when you have uh, not that Mikey Keen is bad. Uh, he is experienced. Was a starter in twenty twenty one. Uh, but the drop off, you know, using our, our video game rating system, which, if this is your first time listening to us, you know, pretty similar to a Madden rating or, or, you know, old NCAA football game. Uh, John Rex only a 90, Mickey Keene's a 77 and a half, 78. Uh, if you were to round up, so bit of a drop off there, and, and it does impact, you know, the, the projection. Um, UCF is a team that grades really, really well among a uh, group of five teams in our roster strength numbers. Uh, they are 57th overall. If, if uh, Plumlee were fully healthy, they'd be top 50. Um, so with 65, you know, power five teams, that, that puts them certainly toward the top end of a of, uh, group of five teams. Uh, they're playing pretty well. They're actually, you know, team performance-wise, uh, ranked 12th uh, nationally. So UCF, at its best, And there were times this year where they ranked there um, can be the best group of five team in the country, uh, among the most talented, certainly. and, And, you know, a lot of the times they play like it on the field. They're 22nd in overall team performance on the offensive side of the ball, 12th rushing. They are deep at running back. Uh, Isaiah Bowser has been a bit of a you know punisher. Doesn't really put up huge yards. Scores touchdowns. Converts you know short yarded situations. Um, Johnny Richardson was kind of the big play guy early on, and and that sort of you know lightning to Bowser's thunder. But R.J. Harvey has really come on the last couple of weeks and has played you know really really well. Last week had a huge game. Uh, seems like he might actually be sort of elbowing Bowser out of the way a little bit um, as the primary ball carrier. Uh, but we've seen some big plays and, and some big games at times from the receivers, Ryan O'Keefe, who does a lot of a lot of things. They try to get creative in how they give him the football. He's very, very explosive. Javon Baker uh, looked excellent early in the year. Um, sort of, you know, not, not quite uh, I've been able to carry it through consistently, but both of those guys can be, you know, really, really good, as can, you know, Kobe Hudson, Alec Holler at tight ends, had his moments as well. So, UCF has playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. They've got a solid offensive line. It's experienced, um, you know, talented. Thirty-fifth in our O-line performance ratings. And then defensively, you know, they're they're not elite, but they are you know pretty good. I mean, they're 40th, uh top forty, I should say, thirty-seventh in defensive team performance. Overall, 65th against the pass, 42nd against the run. And the defensive line is is really a strength. It's about a top, you know, right fringe, top 25 unit in our talent numbers. Uh, The performance rating, they're 21st. So in our D-line strength rating, it's a top 20 unit. Um, Has the ability to, uh, you know, control the running game, get after the quarterback, all those good things, uh, which can pose some trouble for Tulane. Tulane, you know, has its own quality quarterback. Michael Pratt seems to be back fully healthy. I know he missed a game earlier uh, this year. Tajay Spears has had a big year. Uh, been sort of, you know, they, Tulane likes to spread the ball around in the running game. Has in the past, and it looked like that early on in the year. Uh, but Spears has really kind of become a little bit more of the go-to guy uh, that uh, you know Tulane has not necessarily lacked, but hasn't always utilized in the past, but, but he's, he's playing that well. Um, they've got a similarly talented, maybe not, you know, high end explosive uh, receiving core like UCF has, but Quan Jackson, Shea Wyatt, Deuce Watts, Fat Watts. You know, those guys are, are, are solid. Uh, Tyreek James at tight end is, is, you know, uh, good, um, uh, certainly serviceable and, and, you know, can make some plays as well. The offensive line doesn't grade out, Quite as well, they're 76th in O-line performance, um, and Tulane's defensive line doesn't grade out nearly as well. They're 86th in D-line performance, but the defense actually uh, does. So the you know back seven has uh, carried this unit uh, to some pretty strong numbers. They're 33rd in defensive team performance. Overall, they're 24th against the pass, 19th against the run, and a lot of those numbers, um, you know, statistically speaking, are solid. 15th in points per drive allowed, 18th in yards per play allowed, 25th yards per pass attempt, 25th in success rate against, uh, and then 39th in PPA per play. So, uh, solid unit. Uh, the D line, you know, actually, I think it's a little more talented than than the way it's performed so far this year, but uh is really the only weak spot and kind of matches up decently well, I think with UCF's uh offensive capability. So this is a fairly evenly matched game you know like like I mentioned the projection is is right there with the odds makers uh and if we knew John rice plumley's uh you know whether or not he would play that would determine what side we're on so, It's, it's hard for me to say because, you know, I, I think I agree, I guess, with the way our projections set it up. If I knew Plumlee was playing, I would like UCF chances. If I knew he was out, I would like Tulane's chances. Uh, But sort of the way we kind of have to hedge that a little bit right now, um, it seems like a pretty even matchup. Uh, Tulane of course has the home field advantage um, and, you know, I, I think is understandably favored, uh, but
0: this is certainly
1: a game I think that either team could
0: win. Xavier, uh, do you have a good feel one way or the other for Tulane versus UCF here?
2: Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: You're how not. I feel in this game too. Yeah, seems too down the middle.
2: It absolutely does, especially when last week I was looking for UCF even without. Uh, John Rice Plumlee, to just look a little bit better versus a Memphis team that, you know, I know every year Memphis has talent. Don't get me wrong. But for all the things that, you know, pointed in UCF's direction last week, they just seemingly could not get Memphis to go away. Um, That was a little worrisome for me coming into this game against a two-lane team that I know is going to be very, very – I mean, listen, listen. I, I'll, I've been in and around two-lanes programs for a very long time. Ranked is not something that's been akin to them, okay? This is going to be a game that's going to have a ridiculous atmosphere. Um, and, and I think that, you know, if it is keen, like Nick alluded to, if this was probably I am also on the UCF train. If he can't go and this is keen in a hostile environment, I, I'm, I'm probably going to leave with the green waves. Um, you know, I, I think Tulane also has played with a little bit more swagger recently. They have played a little bit better as well. Like I said, UCF for me, that game last week against Memphis was – a little weird, you know, Memphis's quarterback doesn't play well whatsoever. However, you know, you look at the fact that, uh, you know, the running game scored three touchdowns, but none of them broke three, 100 yards. So, like, did it by committee um, as well. So, I just – I want to pick UCF. I really do, just in the hopes that, you know, we're all correct and we're all the perfect doctor and we know that John Reese Plumlee is going to play this game. But in the event that there he's not, I'm going to have to lean on the home team. I'm going to have to lean on Tulane uh, to win this game. Because even if he does play, is I doubt he's 100%. I mean, what makes Plumlee so good is the fact that not only is he, you know, talented, you know, his his arm talent, obviously, is there. But this is a guy who, let's, let's not forget, a, a couple of years ago ran for what seemingly was like 1,000 yards against the eventual national champions. And that ability to get out of the pocket and move like he does is really few of any guys in the country, let alone, you know, in the AAC. So give me Tulane. In, in the event that Plumlee's not here, uh, but caveat if, if Plumlee plays and
0: he looks 100%, you g- g- give me, give me, UCF. gotcha, yeah, it's uh, that's why it's down the middle, you know, uh, yeah, absolutely, and, and that's why it's a hard game to put your money on for sure this week. Um, another tough one, uh, number 19, Kansas State on the road against Baylor. Baylor is a three point home favorite. Uh, we have it as pretty much even 52 and a half is the total. We're pretty close to that as well nick so uh, i mean we're over a little bit over over that that. i should mention that of course (laughs) of course i should mention that we're over that uh but so the rare over does that mean that it you know we really actually have an edge and and over is the play 16 to 10 i can't that's what that this game (laughs) is uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird one now that it's one of the ones that we're over here on but uh how do you see this this game playing out because uh, I mean, Kansas State is a good team, they're awfully banged up. Uh, how do you see it going?
1: Uh, this is this is one, uh, you know, I know I talk myself in circles talking about Alabama and, and how I don't really have a great read. I don't necessarily have a good read on either of these teams right now. Our, our projections have been high on K State compared to a lot of other systems at times. Uh, They've been low on Baylor compared to a lot of others at at times. Um, They seem to change week to week. Um, I feel like, you know, what was it? Two weeks ago, I I mentioned that, oh, we have K-State favored over Oklahoma State. That doesn't feel right. I feel like Oklahoma State should be favored. And then K-State just absolutely destroys them. Uh, Last week, we saw a, a, a little bit of uh, a, an edge on Texas over K State, and it ended up working out in our favor. Uh, so, I guess technically we were right on both of those. Um, but for Baylor, last week we had Oklahoma, you know, kind of a, a really, really similar projection to the Texas K State game. We had Oklahoma by about a similar margin. The game kind of set up pretty. Uh, similarly with, you know, Baylor going on the road, but Baylor came out, took care of business. Um, I believe two weeks ago, our, our projection gets Texas tech where Baylor also had to go on the road. Um, we had tech favored in that game and Baylor took care of business hundred percent post game win expectancy, according to CollegeFootballData.com. Uh, Baylor is, you know, has won three games in a row uh has been fairly impressive at, at times you know going on the road winning two of those winning back to back uh is impressive um but we've seen you know some some uh, somewhat head scratching results the loss to BYU doesn't look very good uh the loss to West Virginia really doesn't look very good even though it was a well Thursday night Friday night something like that on the road that that is a little bit of a tough environment but we've seen Baylor you know, lose some games where they do have uh, maybe a, a talent edge, or um, a game where you know they're favored should win that that sort of thing. Um, so it's I don't know. I, I, I don't necessarily um, have a great read. I mean, K State is back to I mean, we saw Adrian Martinez, so they're uh, if not full speed you know, fully healthy at, at the quarterback position. At least they have their starter back. Uh, Deuce Vaughn is one of the best, you know, one of my favorite players in college football. Uh, at the receiver core, it sounds like, is a little bit banged up. I know a couple of guys have been limited in practice. I didn't actually end up making uh, the sort of color coding for Malik Knowles and Kayla, uh, excuse me, Cade Warner, uh, apparently have been limited in practice this week because everything says, Oh, they'll play. They'll play. And they're just, you know, getting some rest early in the week. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, they're they're It's that time of year, you know, uh, everybody's a little bit banged up. Um, but yeah, I mean, K-State's a, a good team. They're ranked ninth in team performance overall. They've climbed all the way to 16th in our power rankings, uh, which is probably higher than anybody else has them. I, I, you know, would have to look at that, uh, composite that, uh, that Nate put together. But, um, I, I would be surprised if anybody else has K-State as a, you know, top 16 team. Um, uh, but we've been a little low on Baylor. Our, our you know, roster strength numbers don't necessarily love, uh, the way Baylor's, you know, uh, units are built. um, I know it sounds like they've dealt with what a lot of teams, another sort of layer to things, not just as everybody banged up, apparently, you know, uh, it's flu season, right? So a lot of teams are dealing with that. Apparently that had something to do with why Richard Reese was a little bit limited, the really talented true freshman running back for Baylor. Um, Squirrel Williams was able to come back after missing a couple of weeks and, and uh, had a huge game. So, you know, they, they are able to plug guys in and, and get production, um, they've been, you know, dealing with injuries in the receiving core, the tight end position. Uh, but Baylor's just, you know, solid. They're a well-coached team. Both of these teams really are well-coached, um, and they don't necessarily have uh, either of them, you know, major strengths. K-State has a, a, you know, super explosive running back who can be a weapon in the passing game. They also have an All-American caliber you know, pass rusher. But uh, beyond that, the depth isn't necessarily there. I know, you know, Malik Knowles has flashed at times this year, um, and certainly they've made some, you know, a lot of their receivers have made an impact in the return game and things like that in the past. But, um, you know, Baylor doesn't necessarily have any superstars. Uh, Their best player is an interior defensive lineman, Siaka Ika. Um, So it's just... I don't know. They're they're not super flashy, and and uh, it's a little bit difficult sometimes, I guess, to evaluate a team like that if you're not able to to really dig in and and watch uh, you know play for play. And and you know, honestly, I haven't had an opportunity really to do that in the last month with Baylor. So um, they're a good, solid team that I think is certainly capable of winning this game. Uh, but I feel the same same way about K State so I I kind of like that our projection basically has this as a coin flip um with the game being in Waco yeah I mean you know give Baylor a, a a slide edge um but yeah this this is a game that it won't shock me if Baylor wins by two touchdowns it won't shock me if K State wins by two touchdowns this game really could go uh, either either direction, and I think the the range of outcomes is probably the the widest of this game uh, of any that we've discussed this week.
0: Xavier, do you think um, I mean, I don't know, I think that the last game had a lot of uh, possibilities, but with these low spreads, you know, uh one bounce, one missing player, uh, you know, one bad decision, whatever it is, uh, can can turn a game. Who is more likely to turn this game? Do you think it's Baylor or K State?
2: I'm gonna go Baylor. I, I think this is a team in, in K State that has found somewhat of their identity. Um, I, yeah. I mean, sometimes you just learn to play hurt as a team, right? You know, it almost it almost galvanizes you into some, this, you know, uh, in some ways because at the end of the day, uh, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, in some way. So I think last week as well, the other piece too, is that they, in my opinion. Did not put a game. Didn't even show up for the first half of last week's game. Uh, that's got to be a bitter taste in their mouth, especially when you know you get your starting quarterback back in Adrian Martinez. You know this is a team that still at that point you know had, controlled their own destiny in the Big Twelve, um, and now they've got you know they, they've got some luck that is need to be had in front of them. You know for them to make the uh, the Big Twelve championship, um, and it's because they didn't show up. While being at home to a Texas team that I thought that they were better than coming into the week, to be perfectly honest with you, um, especially, I mean, I mean, what can you say after the, the way that they handled Oklahoma State? Right. Um, so, you know, but I think that they have their identities back. You know, that this is a team that, you know, like Oregon, like we talked about, was one of the best running teams in the country uh, before Adrian Martinez goes down. Um, you know, him and Deuce Vaughn, you saw what they did to Oklahoma earlier in the year. And I know Oklahoma hasn't been an impressive bunch this year. It's still Oklahoma. And there's still a ton of talent on that team and they still ran over them over around through, you know, they, they were like bad food. It, it was, it was really an ugly matchup. Uh, so I, I think when you look at this week though, you know, they are playing a Baylor team that once again is extremely well coached. I mean, how many, how many LSU fans were calling for them to go get Dave Aranda for the first two weeks of this season? Uh, you know, that's just, you know, I mean, I mean, if I could pull up the tweets, I would, you know, I, I just, you know you look at how good that they've been able to navigate this year and what would be considered a down year for them obviously you know off the back of a big 12 championship game you're like okay 6 and 3 up to this point uh it isn't the most impressive but they they really they really righted the ship after the West Virginia loss, right? They beat a Kansas team. Yes, they had their backup, but they still beat a Kansas team that last week beat Oklahoma State. Uh, they beat a Texas Tech team pretty handedly, and last week they beat Oklahoma. Uh, which one? Once again, they felt I felt like they let Oklahoma hang around a little bit too much in that ball game. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, you know I feel like they should have put their foot on their neck early and just been like, "You're not coming back in this game. You're not going to win this game." Um, and, and it was a little bit of more, too much of a back and forth affair um, at points. But I. I how raucous is Waco really going to be this week? Because that's what heck of an atmosphere. Don't get me wrong, but with you know, with everything right now, mm, I, I, this is tough. I, I, w- this week in particular has been tough as a whole. But this game and in particular, here's the
0: decisiveness here. Yeah, I, I just, I you just used to, Xavier, come on. What are you sleep deprived? Pick a team. Let's go.
2: I
1: must be rubbing off on you. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah,
0: come yeah, on, yeah,
2: yeah. Indecisive Nick. Uh, <laughs> um, give me Baylor. Get get give, give me Baylor. Let, let, let's get home weird. Team. Yeah, All let's right. let's go home team. You know, and they still at this point, and I don't know, you know, Google's not showing me tiebreakers, but they're still in it for the Big 12 championship game. So, you know, let's let's see what happens. Give me Baylor at home. You know, um, I would love to see K State win this game. I'm a, I'm a huge Deuce Vaughn guy, and I I was, you know. On the Adrian Martinez train as soon as he transferred away from the cesspool that
0: was Nebraska, but <laughs> give me Baylor, give me give, give, give me Baylor. I like it. I like it. Uh, planting your flag wholeheartedly into Baylor with no indecisiveness. With no indecisiveness. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number fifteen UNC hosting uh, Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a uh, three and a half point uh, favorite. I, I actually, I have that reverse Wake Forest is at home. UNC on the road. Uh, Wake Forest is a three and a half point home favorite. Uh, we have them closer to a two-point favorite 76.5 76 and a half is a total. Uh, we're not getting anywhere close to that one, uh, closer to 61 uh in, in this game. So uh Nick, another fun one where the ranked team comes in uh against the unranked team, and the unranked team is favored. So uh do you have a better uh feeling about this one than Baylor and K-State? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's to the point. There you go. That's how you be decisive about your indecisiveness, Xavier, right there. No, I mean, you know, this is a game
1: Wake Forest can win. Absolutely. They North Carolina has has been really, really good. Drake May's numbers are incredible. The receiving core is excellent. Um, But, you know, (laughs) Wake hasn't necessarily looked great the last couple of weeks. The Louisville game uh, was a bit of a debacle. Uh, last week against NC state, just, you know, weren't able to get over the hump and, and, you know, find a way to win in Raleigh or kind of close the gap. Um, Neither as far as the postgame win expectancy numbers go, you know, wasn't, wasn't even all that close. I mean, 37% against NC state last week. Wasn't, wasn't a blowout. I mean, it was a 10 point loss, but um, they're not cheated. You know, Uh, they, they, were outplayed in both of those games um they are at home this week uh you know Wake Forest has one all but one game at home you know the, the Clemson uh loss um but they just don't necessarily seem like the uh you know before these two losses they were Wake Forest with Sam Hartman and, and their own explosive Uh, receiving core ACC title contending team Um, and they just haven't haven't quite looked like that the last couple of weeks Uh, they've had their own injury issues on the defensive side of the ball Uh, you know Rundell Bothroyd was out last week Um, they've been banged up at times in the secondary off and on Uh, so they have you know, not, not horrible defensive numbers that actually improved in our team performance rankings compared to the last couple of years. They were 98th last season, they're eighth this year. Uh So they've taken a step forward, uh, but the offense hasn't quite, you know, still been able to fully make up for uh, that little bit of a, a weak spot. And defending the pass has been the weaker of the two, um you know, Areas of the defense: They're 78th in defensive team performance uh, against the pass. They're 55th against the run, 58th overall. Um, and offensively, they they do have one of the best passing attacks in the country. Uh, you know, Hartman, when he is good, is among the very best quarterbacks uh, in you know in college football. At Perry is an All American caliber receiver. Jamal Banks has emerged into an All ACC caliber. Receiver, we've seen uh, you know what Donovan Green can do. We've seen what Keyshawn Williams can do. Taylor Morin's been a consistent guy and productive earlier in his career, Uh, but they can't run the football very consistently. They're 118th in rushing team performance on the offensive side of the ball. And you know, NC, excuse me, North Carolina, uh, early in the season, you know, it, it was clear that this. Uh, defense had a lot of issues. Uh, for the full season numbers, they don't. You know, they they are not good. Uh, 123rd defensive team performance overall. 115th against the pass. 112th against the run. Success rate against their are 126th. Uh, EPA per play 118th. Points per drive 106. Yards per play 111th. I mean, bad, 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 bad. Um, the defensive line. You know, ranks 122nd in D-line performance, and they have been uh, one of the hardest hit units in terms of injury, um, certainly in the ACC, maybe, you know, in the country. Noah Taylor, the edge rusher, is out uh, for the season. Uh, Raymond voasek has been injured a lot this year. Desmond Evans, come on Rocker, uh, both of those guys have missed time. You know, Jaleel Taylor was a, a contributor in the past, really hasn't even played. Uh, because of injury it's it's just a a, you know it starts up front for north carolina and and you know they're just short-handed uh they are a talented defense you know numbers wise roster strength wise uh it's a top 25 type unit uh if they were a little healthier on the defensive line they might be a top 20 top 15 defense in terms of talent cedric gray is putting up a, a linebacker you know all american type Numbers um, in the secondary, we've seen guys like Tony Grimes uh, make big plays in the past. Cameron Kelly make big plays in the past. Uh, Storm Duck, you know, isn't just a great name; has has had his moments. But they're just not as a unit, you know, performing very well. I think we've seen some improvements in in you know spurts, uh, but it's just not a not a consistent unit and doesn't match up really well um, against. Wake Forest. That said, North Carolina offensively, number one passing team performance rating in the country. Drake May, huge, huge numbers, uh, putting up an incredible year. Josh Downs is uh, definitely on the short list of my favorite receivers in college football, Uh, overcame an early season injury. has come up huge. You know, last week was great. Uh, Antoine Green, Uh, You know, a little bit of a down week last week, but um, was really picking up some of Downs' slack at at times this year uh, after coming back from his own injury. Uh, Bryson Nesbitt, the tight end, explosive athletic tight end, uh, has been out and limited the last couple of weeks. Not 100% sure if he will be back, Um, but, uh, you know, they are able to attack opposing defenses, certainly through the air. Um, and the rushing attack is you know, had its moments. Elijah Green's kind of uh fended off a couple of really talented true freshmen. Uh, Marianne Hampton specifically started out the year, you know, looking like maybe he was going to be one of those great freshman running backs, but uh Green has come on and and you know, wrestled away some uh carries and and played pretty well um but I don't know, North carolina is is sort of the. I, I, I don't necessarily know that they are fraudulent, uh, but they are not the most impressive eight and one team uh, out there. I mean five and zero in ACC play, right? Uh, and and I you know they're thirty third in our power ratings. Um, they can certainly play their way into the top twenty five if if they ended up eleven and one. I mean they can certainly uh, win the ACC. They can still maybe. Uh, burst into the the playoff conversation, uh, you know. I guess if some breaks go their way in some other games, but they're just not, you know, they, they a big part of it is the defense. Uh, but they're just not impressing a lot of people, and and so they they seem like a beatable team. They they have a good record. They have played well, especially on offense. Um, but you know, certainly they're. Not favored on the road against Wake Forest. Uh, and it seems like a losable game. It's a winnable game, but but it definitely does seem like a losable game for North Carolina. It's another one I don't have a great read. Uh, we have Wake Forest favored by two, as you mentioned. Uh, we do have a a far lower scoring game. I don't feel great about that. This certainly could be, you know, 45-42. We've seen North Carolina Wake Forest games like that uh in the past and, and this could be another one uh, North Carolina does have the more talented team they do have the talent edge according to our projections um but even our stats only model I mean it's basically the exact same you know projected uh point spread as, as our official uh, team strength model so uh we are on North Carolina to cover in all three but you know only have them uh, favored by less than a point and one, so uh, doesn't necessarily seem like it's a a you know should win for North Carolina, but it, it is I think a could win for North Carolina, especially if the defense you know comes up with some big plays, some turnovers like what uh, Louisville was able to do to sort of doom Wake Forest offensively a couple of weeks ago. Um, we haven't really seen that very much, uh, you know, at least consistently, haven't seen the defense come up and and make big plays for North Carolina. Um, But it's, uh, you know, they're talented enough unit. And and if they get a couple of, uh, you know, guys healthy, especially up front, um, which I I believe I've heard, you know, maybe some guys are are moving in the right direction there. I I could be wrong about that, but um, we shall see. It's certainly a a North Carolina team that has a lot to play for. Uh, So they, you know, maybe we, we, uh, giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're able to, to go on the road and, and take care of business against Wake Forest in a short road trip, um, but I don't have a ton of confidence one way or the other.
0: Xavier, what do you think of this game? ACC matchup, obviously good offenses here, defenses, bit of a question mark. What do you think?
2: Give me Wake Forest. Let's let's get weird. Um, you know, I, I just think that you know at some point that that North Carolina defense has to be its Achilles heel and has to lead to a loss um you know the old adage right offense wins games defense wins championships like so at some point some point defense has to be able to win games too um you know I I just feel like when you look at this game you go okay cool Wake Forest has literally nothing to play for but to be the spoiler their ACC hopes dashed anything that they were hoping for we still
1: need that one more win for that win total
2: Wake Forest could be this
1: week could be next week could be the following. Hey, listen, we need
2: listen. It. <laughs> we, do it for the Gipper. Um, you know, I just, I just feel like when you look at this Wake Forest team, they've, they've underachieved mightily, uh, um, and have, and especially in the last couple of weeks, you know, the loss to Louisville obviously is the biggest one, but even last week losing to a an NC State team that I think they had no business losing to, uh, this was a, that was an NC State team that I felt like was reeling, and they kind of just gave it up. They gave that game away. They did not play up to the, you know, up to what I expected them to. I you know. I understand MJ Morris maybe took a you know took a stride in the right direction, but Jesus, this is a team in NC State that was losing handedly to Virginia Tech just a week prior. Um, so I mean, I, I think you've got to see. And also, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying Sam's. I, I think Sam's done after this year. I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think he has. I think he th- does. He does he have uh, one more year? Who Cripping knows? To our number, right?
1: yeah, yeah according like to our numbers he he has one I think before the season before his health scare right. he basically said he was this is done. it yeah okay so there was a little there was a moment there where it was like oh is he gonna miss the year will he come back uh I don't think he's updated it but according to our records he he could come back in 2023 if but he I wanted. would not expect it
2: Right. And so, like, what, what better way to go out with a bang than to beat a ranked team? At, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is this is, you know, they're a very scary team to be playing right now because they're the worst people to play in life for people who have nothing to lose because they can literally throw the door, you know, the house at it and in, in an event to beat you. And that's what they're going to do. I mean, Wake Forest is going to throw everything at this North Carolina defense because they know how bad they are. This game might be very reminiscent of, you know, Wake Forest's matchup versus Clemson a couple of weeks ago, right, where this game ends 45-38 or ends in overtime 45-42 because both defenses refuse to do what their job is. You know, they're on scholarship too, last time I checked. You know, they they, they need to do a job. And I think NC State, I think Wake Forest has just enough defense to win this game. Just enough defense, it might genuinely be one stop. Uh, you know, I, I just feel like this This North Carolina defense has just been so bad. And, Nick, you alluded to it. This team has a ton of names, a ton of na- Tony Grimes was like a bona fide first-rounder coming into this year. Like, they're, they're, you know, Storm Duck, obviously, like you said, one of the best names in college football, but another extremely good player. And they just have not shown up whatsoever. Um, and I just feel like when you look at this game, at some point, Wake Forest – all right, in this game, Wake Forest just needs to do everything they're going to do. They're going to be playing spoiler. They're they're going to be knocking any chance of uh, North Carolina to get into the playoff whatsoever in this game. And at some point, North Carolina's defense has to cause them another loss. And luckily for them, you know, the one thing, you know, sometimes we talk about good losses on this program. The The, the luck for them is that Notre Dame has figured themselves out because otherwise they would easily have one of the worst losses on, you know, of any team in the top 25. Luckily for them, Notre Dame has not only figured itself out, but looks looked damn good on on Saturday. So give me Wake Forest. I, I think this is, you know, one of Sam Hartman's last like, you know, this this will be in his goodbye letter. You know, remember when I beat North Carolina, the number 17 team <laughs> in the country and an absolute shootout against, you know, future Heisman trophy winner, Drake May. Yeah, that's what I do. Um, so give me Wake Forest uh, and give me a team that rather disappointing, but still extremely experienced is senior laden. That you know, I think is going to put their all into beating a ranked team because I
0: think after this day their schedule gets pretty light. Um, so yeah. All right, let's go lightning round on a couple of these, Nick. Lightning round, uh, Tennessee by twenty-one <laughs> uh, against Missouri. Well, how, how do you see that one going? Uh, we
1: have Tennessee by sixteen. Uh, I could see a little bit of a hangover effect for Tennessee, but um, if they went out, they still. You know, all, all possibilities, I think, are there for Tennessee. So, shouldn't be a letdown, but um, we'll see how they respond to the loss.
0: Keep the foot on the
1: gas, right, Xavier? What do you think? They're going to blow the doors off of them. I mean, Jesus.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I've never used the equation of, like, a pissed-off Tennessee, but that's a team that just got embarrassed, even though the score yeah. doesn't say so. They are going to come out trying to kill them.
0: Is Ohio State going to be able to cover the 40 or 41, depending on what book you're at, Nick. I mean, that is a lot of points. And they didn't look good against Northwestern.
1: Our official projection uh, team strength model is 30 and a half. So 10 (laughs) points below that. Our stats only model, which I trust more in the bigger spread uh, projections, actually does have Ohio State covering. Did you guys know that Indiana is the fastest paced offense in the country in college football are you serious and they're not good on offense they're,
0: aren't they the <laughs> lowest uh time of possession offense in the country as well they that were last makes
1: sense but yeah they're they're number one in offensive pace 19 18 seconds uh per uh play They There's rank like 110th room. An offensive team performance, 112th passing, 116th rushing. So, could be a lot of three and outs, and Ohio State could, you know, kind of have a, a get right uh, performance on offense. By the Ohio way, State might they, win they, 88 to none.
0: They moved up to 130th. Uh, so, uh, Old Dominion moved down to last to 131st. Ah, uh, 24 minutes and 19 seconds per game is how long <laughs> they hold the ball. So, uh,
1: I missed this. Until right before kickoff, because uh, Indiana was kind of cagey about, oh, yeah, we don't know who's going to start a quarterback. Connor Basilac was injured and unable to play last week. They started Jack Tuttle, who I had taken out of our
0: It looked like Lamar Jackson for the first two quarters.
1: Well, he had entered or announced his intentions to enter the transfer portal. I didn't know it was one of those Emory <laughs> Jones, you know, I'm in the transfer portal, but you know, I'm gonna be, I didn't know he was still around.
0: And what really is the portal start. man yeah right. well, <laughs> yes. he gets
1: injured is gonna be back they played three other quarterbacks last week it was a mess uh i i feel like i feel like that indiana job might open soon by the way
0: but, <laughs> yeah especially if they lose 88 to nothing which i think <laughs> <good>. i don't <laughs> i don't know if it'll be that bad but i mean xavier uh because i was looking before and almost all of the money's on Indiana. I mean, nobody wants to lay 40 points. So, uh, I mean, you say that, but they give the ball back so quickly that Ohio State might not have a choice. Look, I'm yeah, just yeah, telling yeah, you like, what like, the numbers say uh, how, 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 on it's 99% of the cash is on Indiana. Right
2: how now. how you call the dogs off when they keep giving you a bone? Like, what do you what are you gonna say at this rate? If they just keep giving you the ball the ball back at your own forty, just, yeah. okay.
0: Get we the freshman running back.
1: And you have a little some something to prove sure. after scoring twenty one last yep. week against Western. Right, that
0: is a recipe a for that disaster. Win. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right, Xavier uh, Illinois um, still being ranked. I know you're not the biggest fan of that, but uh, six and a half point favorites uh, against Purdue. Are they covering that? Give me Purdue straight up. Purdue straight up. Uh, Nick, uh, Illinois, uh, Purdue, Illinois bounce back. Uh,
1: we have Illinois covering in
0: all three models, not by a ton,
1: but uh, feel pretty good about Illinois. We've been, I've like, you know, we've we've been right more than wrong on Illinois this year. So we'll this see team that isn't bad out.
0: enough for Illinois to lose to them, right? Because Illinois only Illinois lost submission. to Michigan. By Indiana and Michigan State. Michigan yeah. State. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, Purdue's bad oh, enough for right. Illinois to lose to them. So I don't understand that at all. Still uh, the best defense about, in the country. Keep yeah, they're very good. Um, not against Michigan State. Uh, LSU by three on the road against Arkansas, Nick. What do you think? Our,
1: uh, we actually have Arkansas with a slight talent edge in this game. Uh, that is. With the home field advantage factor, uh, our stats-only model has LSU covering, but our our traditional model uh, has has it at two and a half. So Arkansas technically covering LSU to win. We'll we'll see how does LSU handle success. I saw a, a number uh, I forget who put it out. My apologies. I should have you know bookmark it, but uh, somebody ran the numbers on uh, Brian Kelly's career in you know potential hangover games. Uh, on an outright upset win. And it's something like 65%, 70% uh, where they take care of business, his teams, the, the next go round. So uh, don't necessarily expect a hangover, but this sure could be a hangover scenario after last week, uh, that dramatic win, uh, two point conversion against uh, Alabama. So Arkansas, you know, still has a little work to do to, to get back to bowl eligibility, right? They they don't
2: have that sixth win yet. No, um, they do not, especially after losing to Liberty.
1: Right. So
0: you know they really could use a win against LSU. We'll we'll see. Uh what do you think, Xavier? LSU covers that one.
2: No, give me uh give me Arkansas to cover.
0: You uh, are you. getting weird this week, man. Oh, I'm uh, getting weird
2: and it's it's late in the year. It's I mean, weird you Take wacky a couple
0: season. of them, I, I understand, but you're taking like all of them. Uh, this
2: this is only like my third this is only like my third one I I think. I'll go back so, and listen to this podcast. Realize I took like six and I was like,
0: okay, well <laughs> yeah, no, I I th- think that's three, but it's it's three, you know. Uh I, I think you took all the non-ranked teams that's against right. the ranked teams. I think that's what what is standing out to me. Uh how about um I mean this over is thirty-four and a half for Wisconsin at Iowa. And the line is Wisconsin by one, Xavier. Who do you have in that one? can, uh, can are they going to have thirty-four points scored combined? Um,
2: like what are we like? What are we doing here? Um, give me, give me Iowa to cover just law of averages. I guess like Iowa could not score; they could lose twenty-seven to zero. But give me law of averages here. I just don't see uh, Wisconsin.
1: 30, Wait, no, no, no,
0: no, The
2: total Wait. is 30. Oh, the okay. I'm sorry. I was like, there's no total is the oh
0: okay. I'm sorry. Wisconsin is a one-point favorite on the road. Oh, okay. But the cool. Total score is 34 and a half points. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Give me, yeah, give me the under uh
1: and, that, and then give me wisconsin covering thank
0: you wisconsin covering and the under nick you yeah, got I think you got, think got a lean in that one
1: we couldn't get that low our projection is <laughs> 41 uh we do have a projection in the 30s that's minnesota northwestern but uh, <laughs> of course but yeah we couldn't get quite that that low but we have we have wisconsin winning and and by less than two points but more than one and a half.
0: Uh, Iowa State is a a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against Oklahoma State. Uh, Do we have... I mean, obviously, a lot depends on Sanders here, but uh, who do you like in that one?
1: That it's totally dependent on... on, Well, I guess it's not totally dependent on Sanders. I did run it the first time with him out, uh, and we did have Iowa State favored but did have Oklahoma State covering. So I guess we're pretty, pretty clear that we're on Oklahoma State here, but we've been... Um, we've been wrong on Oklahoma State. You know the last couple of weeks, or you know the K State game we talked about a little bit before last week. We we had Kansas covering, but we still had a Oklahoma State favored uh, against Kansas, and that obviously went very very wrong. So our I don't really trust our Oklahoma State numbers right now, and the Sanders injury is is uh, another sort of layer into that. Um, but we have Oklahoma State favored. In that, you know, slash situation, like I was talking about with John Rice Plumlee earlier, um, is kind of how we have it right now. Uh, but we have Oklahoma State favored, wrong team favored. Technically, those have been horrible this year. So uh, Iowa State's probably the smarter way to go.
0: Xavier, you got a lean?
1: Give
2: me Iowa State until I know Spencer Sanders' health.
0: Okay, that's fair. Uh, let me see. I think I had one more here. Uh, yeah. Auburn by two against Texas A&M. Uh, what do you think, Nick? We have A&M favored. I uh, don't necessarily feel
1: great about it. I, I kind of liked what I saw from Auburn last week. Uh, oh, Seems like Cadillac Williams has kind of injected some uh, fight in, into uh, into that roster. Um, Texas A&M does, doesn't necessarily look like it's got a ton of fight uh last week i know they were severely shorthanded Devin a chain had a great game but um i don't know we'll see uh but but we do have a&m favored but i i don't obviously have very much
0: confidence in that uh xavier i mean <laughs> this is I, I know this probably ain't gonna be uh on many screens maybe you catch Holy. 11 seconds of this game but it'll be uh, on mine what, really? I mean, uh, uh, yeah,
2: I, need, I I want. I want college station to burn to the ground. Fire it up! Amen. Offer. Let's yeah. let's get it going. Yeah, wow. I need that. I need that Jimbo contract on. I need that Jimbo contract in the center of the field. And they're like, if you lose tonight's game, and they just tear it up. Yeah, I need that. I need. Oh, no, the they loser need to lead up a, town
0: match. Is that? Right. Is that? I, I this need, is WWE
2: a, style here. Exactly. I need to, the back up a Brinks truck and just be like, get inside the back and just leave. You know what oh, I'm saying? This good. is your. This is your buyout in the back of the truck. See you later. Uh yeah, I want. Yeah, give me give, give me Albert. And I love Cadillac Williams, which is the only reason I'm even going for this. To be honest. With you.
0: Uh, I mean that made me feel so old. Uh, Cadillac Williams being head coach. Jeff Saturday right? is an NFL head, head coach yeah, now. Right? I mean, right. it's uh. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's a little wild seeing these things, and uh, also seeing new gray hairs every day. So, uh, but that will wrap it up for us on this edition of the CFP Winning Edge podcast. Remember, you can follow us all on the Twitter at Bogman Sports for myself at CFP Winning Edge for Nick and at Xavier underscore Trish T R I C H E for Xavier. Any well, I forgot. Who's on Fraud Watch? Uh, Who do we got for Fraud Watch this week, Xavier? Uh,
2: I think we we covered most of Fraud Watch. I had North Carolina on Fraud Watch. TCU remains on Fraud Watch. You know the vibes. Uh, Florida State at Syracuse. Florida State, Fraud Watch. Um, And I think that is it on my Fraud Watch alert for this week, but come back next week for more toxicity.
1: (laughs) I I think we – I think we – God, my, my brain and my mouth are not connected right now. It is
0: late. We did, if we remember savings.
1: going back to our team previews, uh, I I remember being asked if Georgia's to lose a regular season game. What's it going to oh, be? There we go. I and go. I said, At Starkville Starkville. and Starkville and Mississippi State. I have less confidence in that, <laughs> but uh, we are you know we see a decent edge for uh, Mississippi State to cover. Kind of a tricky spot. Potential letdown. Big win last week for Georgia. I don't know. Nice. Hey, you Let's know what? I,
2: it's I, giving I, him
0: some trouble this time.
2: Listen, I'm I'm sending the sound soundbite to Kirby because this is all he needs is fuel. That, that's it. <laughs> he don't need he don't need much, but this is all he needs.
0: That's a Georgia fan. Are you? Gonna I think I like actually Georgia said fan? Georgia would lose that game in
1: our team preview. Yeah, I'm. I'm we'll see. I'm sure. yeah. If, way. uh, if it, right. if it happens, we'll go back and I didn't even
0: ask it. about that game because I looked at it and I went, all right, George is going to smash him. That's so, why I, that's why I just threw it in there. You know. All that's, right. Well, look, that is going to wrap <laughs> it up for us. Uh, uh, appreciate everyone listening. We'll be back next week for another preview. So, uh, good luck everyone. We'll see you next week. Take it easy, everybody.
1: Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music. To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge.